0: What is good, everybody? Welcome into the 73rd Hole Podcast, the official podcast of Golf Oklahoma. Sam Humphreys, Taylor Williams with you today, and we will be joined by a very special guest after the break. That would be the newest PGA Tour member, one of the new 30 PGA Tour members, Chris Gotterup, former Sooner, also went to Rutgers in college, but he transferred to the Oklahoma Sooners, and now he is on the PGA Tour. Can't wait for that interview with Chris. Absolutely great guy. Uh, T-Dub, what's up? I feel like we never talked, doing one a week during the uh, quote-unquote offseason here.
1: How's it been going? You know, man, it's been going pretty good, Sam. Been busy as hell, but that's what happens uh, with everything going on. It, it feels like a millennia since the Ryder Cup happened, does it not? It, and it was, what, nine days ago now? It's pretty crazy. <laughs> it really to, does. To think about it. With Everything that's going on, especially with football, too, which is kind of taking a little bit of the load off from golf. But we still have golf going on that we will try our best to, to try to predict what the hell is going to happen. And then we got our, our man TG with a lot of money on the line this week. So even though money. we are in quote-unquote football season, Sam, a lot of golf is to be played this week for
0: sure. A lot of good players playing this week too. We'll get to those tournaments later. Obviously, you got Live Jetta, the last individual tournament in the Live schedule. Like you mentioned, Taylor Gooch playing for $18 million this week. That's got to be nerve-wracking for him, trying to catch Cam Smith. We'll get to that later on. Also, John Rahm playing in the Spanish Open. We'll get to that. And then the Shriners Children's Hospital Open as well. But t up one little bit of golf news or big bit of golf news, however you want to look at this, the OWGR came out and said that they will not be ranking live tournaments next year. Now, in my opinion, T-Dub, we could go down the semantics of what both sides said, what the OWGR came out and said. We could read those statements. We might in a second. Then we could read what Liv said afterwards, kind of going back at what the OWGR said. All of this, in my opinion, t is so irrelevant when the top 10 players from Liv are obviously going to have to get automatic exemptions into majors, especially if the deal goes through and the agreement goes through where Yasser will be in charge. It's just pettiness, and it's to me, it's one last grasp at power. And I also think it's ironic that they're announcing this right before we all assume jay monahan is gone um i don't know this is interesting to me it's one of those situations where this doesn't really mean a whole lot even though it sounds like a great headline grabber
1: Well, just sad sam is what it is because growing up my entire life you based a golfer based on their owgr ranking you how many times were you how many weeks were you number one in the world when we talk about the best How many? times are you inside the top 10 in the official world golf rankings. Obviously still to this day, and it's going to change eventually. That's a big thing that's going to transpire from all this, the top 50 getting in all the majors. It's just something that it's not relevant anymore. I I remember, like I said, used to look at it all the time. And then now, anytime I try to look at how good a golfer is, I go to the data golf ranking, go to the analytics ranking. And that's, at the end of the day, Sam, it's either going to have to be what you said, where they give automatic guys to the top, how many ever, on live, you can debate on that. You want to make it 5, 10, 15. Somewhere in the middle of that would probably be good. And then just the fa- it's I don't know, Sam. It, it's truly mind-boggling to me that that, that this is. It's just another oh, it chapter is, but, but in it, the weirdest
0: it, merger of all time.
1: Well, it it, it truly is. We're just going to, to the point I was trying to make earlier, you're going to have to make the analytic rankings what the OWGR used to be. If you want to give the top 50 analytic rankings, that that's a perfect solution for that. Or, like I just said, you give them, the exemptions how many ever you want it to be so yeah it, at the end of the day the OWGR is going to be so irrelevant in about 18 months or so maybe within the year that no one even looked at it. and the majors are going to have to say that we have to we have to change this up because this is not proper criteria to figure out who the best player in the world is
0: so I mentioned the semantics this is the letter that the OWGR sent to live. So it said, quote, the board committee met recently to again review your OWGR submission in light of your latest responses to the committee's questions and concerns. At the meeting, the board committee unanimously determined that at this time, the live tour will not be recognized as an eligible golf tour in the OWGR system. When asked for comment by GGP, Peter Daw Said, "Quote: It diminishes the rankings if a player like Dustin Johnson and Bryson DeChambeau are not included. It would also diminish the ranking if the ranking rigor were reduced to include them." Live went on to have this to say back at the OWGR. They said mainly, quote, the OWGR's sole objective is to rank the best players across the globe. Today's communication makes it clear that it can no longer deliver on that objective. So basically, the OWGR is saying, you know, what they've said from the beginning, that they don't like the 54-hold, no-cut format, and that's why they're not giving Live. And, and they also don't like that you can't qualify to get on Live. You're invited to be on Live, And then Live, in response, is saying that basically you call yourself the official World Golf ranking, and you can't even rank the best players in the world. So, obviously, from the outsider looking in, and like we've said, ever since the news that there will possibly be a merger, we obviously considering this story, don't have a merger yet, but we are on both sides. We want unanimous, you know, a utopia in the game of professional golf, T-Dub. We're on the PGA Tour in the uh, live side. Obviously, if you were just a professional golf fan, you can tell that the official world golf ranking is irrelevant because they are not ranking all the best players. You have... Two major champions in the last two years playing on Live. How in the world are those guys not eligible in Live tournaments to be ranked? It's stupid and petty, and eventually the official World Golf ranking will become irrelevant when the top 10 players from the Live list, like we talk about with Gooch getting the 18 million, that Live list when you start taking the top 10 guys, top 15, however many you want to take from that list and putting them in major champion championships, the official world golf ranking is going to become irrelevant.
1: And it it already is in the minds of people like us who follow the game. But one thing that's funny about it, looking at it now is the OWGR changed their point system about a year and a half or two months or two years ago to change it to where now it, it was dependent on your field size on how much it is. You'd have, regular PGA Tour tournaments where hardly any good players played. They got more ranking points than the DP World Tour Championship did where you had the likes of Rorm, uh, Rom, Rory, Hovland, and all the great Europe- DP World Tour players played it. And that's when Rom and other guys were outspoken. That's kind of when the actual non liv fan actually noticed, okay, this OWGR thing is getting a little ridiculous now. Just based on that, not including the fact that you didn't have how many of the best players in the world not playing and you're doing live So even if you only had 48 players, in the live tournament it's not like if you go out and win you're going to get an astronomical amount of points to go from 25th in the world to number 1 overnight so it would be a steady progress and you it would be sort of like the point system is for live where only top half of guys would get points i really don't see what made it so complicated the OWGR one to stick around it's a pretty easy fix
0: yeah it's an extremely easy fix and we also have to remember that these are all negotiation tactics. But who will be in charge in the end? The one with the money and the one who pays the bills, that's Yasser, who holds all the leverage. He can always say, no deal. And then who is behind the eight ball? That would be the PGA Tour. And the majors will not let the PGA Tour die like that. They will end up giving in to live and giving them exemptions into major championships. In my opinion, they will comply. So my point, t Dub on all of this is this is all much ado about nothing because once we actually get an agreement, many, many things will change.
1: Oh man, we talked about earlier about how it feels like how long ago the Ryder Cup was how long ago was the announcement of the merger feel like? It's been And we still five haven't months. had anything happen. We don't we know, know what nothing and, and the schedules didn't change. No, literally nothing's changed. I think that's the thing. They don't have a a deal in place, yet? It, it, they were so scared of the news coming out and then not being announced properly. They completely burst the bubble and so said, let's just make it happen, open the floodgates and see what happens. Next thing you know, now we have a little bit of calm for the storm. We have the OWGR news as we're talking about, but really, there hasn't been any landmark stuff really since the, I the Senate hearing. The one
0: interesting thing was right after the Ryder Cup, when... Brooks Kepka posted on social media the picture of him, Max Homa, Xander Shoffley, Sam Burns, and, and Ricky Fowler all wearing smash gear. I don't even know if we've talked about this on the podcast yet because we were doing our Ryder Cup uh, recap and didn't really have time to get to it, but... I mean, are we going toward a world where you know most professional golfers are assigned to a team, and how many players are on a live team, and are they allowed to go from tour to tour? I mean, what is happening? No one knows. And, T-Dub, when you talk to professional golfers, PGA Tour
1: or live guys, they say we don't know. I don't think anybody knows. No, no, no one has a clue what's going to happen, and we don't have a clue what's going to happen. The, the fact is so many players were so shocked when the announcement of the merger came out, goes to show that we, were at a point we had no idea who was in charge, and now supposedly Jay Monahan's still in charge. Okay, believe that. He's more than likely not going to have a job by the end of the year. And then so the, how this is all going to play out is such a mystery. And just the fact that this OWGR News came out, just to make light of how absolute ridiculous all this has been over the last two years or so, I am just so ready for a world to where, we can just have harmony again and just have golf. Because there's always going to be conflict in golf. But it's just to the extreme how it's been over the last two years. And, and it, it hurts to see it. The only encouraging light stand from it all is that golf overall pop, popularized when the general public is the highest it's probably ever been. So that's something to make light of it. But as far as the professional game, it has been splintered. And that's sad to see. It truly is. And I'm ready for it to be over with.
0: The final thing I'll say on this is it seems like after more and more time passes after the merger, we see whose egos were shattered and who really just wants the product not to be devalued in professional golf. And by saying that, I mean, I think it will devalue the product of either the PGA Tour or live if you don't have these top players playing against each other on a more regular basis, and what would be a great way to do that, that would be For the OWGR to accept Liv in some way, they refused to do that. And let's not forget who's on the board of the OWGR, everybody who Liv was suing, right? Let's not forget about this. I mean, we had the antitrust lawsuits brought from the players to the OWGR, and, you know, we had antitrust lawsuits brought from Liv to the PGA Tour, A lot of egos were hurt in all of this. That's why I think it's just one last grasp at power before an agreement is made. So I I don't know. I'm just ready for everybody to not, they don't even have to get along, but everybody needs to be able to realize that this is a pivotal time not to devalue a product that is very, very popular right now, but it's going to get less popular if the top players in the world are not allowed to play with each other on a regular basis.
1: I just remember a day, Sam, where I could turn on the golf channel a major championship week and could just solely focus on the golf. And I didn't have to listen to Brandon Chambly and these other idiots try to talk to me about justification on why live guys shouldn't be there or how it affects the landscape of golf. And even to an extent on this show, Sam, we've been talking about it for so long. At certain points, I've had to try to become a lawyer to try to learn some of these things. I didn't go to law school for a reason, and I really would like not to do it now. I always like to learn new things, but at a point, Sam, it's like, just so much mumbo-jumbo. And it, at the end of the day, we just need to get in a room and just talk it out and let it happen. And these, these are grown-ass men here trying to make the best decisions for themselves. We have potentially a whole lot of money coming into the game from the Saudis with this, with this merger, and that is something that cannot be understated, how good that would be for golf. You want to talk about where the money comes from, that's, that, that's your own view on it. But what it would financially do for the PJ Tour in the game of golf cannot be understated.
0: And I think you're going to see steps – toward a more utopia-like professional golf between the two tours here even before the end of the year. I'm expecting, and who knows, I may be completely off base on this, I'm expecting Jay Monahan to be gone by the end of the year, T-Dub, and I hear that from multiple sources, but I guess we'll see if it happens.
1: I just don't see how he can stay in the same position for the next, how many ever years? Even so, I think it just has to come sooner rather than later. I don't see a world... Where this merger successfully happens, and Jay Monahan's still around, I don't see how him and Yalsher Co. doing this, or him Monahan trying to be the the big guy on the big picture guy. Whenever we know that he has no say in anything whatsoever. So yeah, it's, it it truly boggles my mind, Sam, that it's it's been this long and we still don't know much. Because I would have thought, whenever we first had this come out, there would be at least little bitty steps and in, in breadcrumbs along the way. And there just really hasn't been anything. So. But yeah, if I if I was a betting man, you took me to Vegas and said you have to bet either Jaylon will have his job at the end of the year or won't, I would probably put my money on the no. I'd say it's probably sixty percent that he doesn't, forty percent that he does.
0: T Dub, speaking of live, we do have the last live event for the individual race that is going on at Live Jeddah this weekend, from Friday through Sunday. Cam Smith holds an eight-point lead over our man, Taylor Gooch. We'll get to the points list in a second, but obviously solid field. Bryson DeChambeau is your analytic favorite. Cam Smith up there, Dustin Johnson, Neiman, Taylor Gooch, and Brooks Kepka are your top six favorites at Live Jetta. Does the winner come out of those six for the last individual tournament of the year on Live, T-Dub?
1: I think it does, yes, and hopefully it's our man TG. Got a lot on the line this week, a lot, a lot of money. The difference between being first is eighteen million, and second place is I believe twelve million. So six million dollar difference. That's that's nothing to, to just ignore and shove under the bed. No, that's that's a lot of money that our that our man has uh, some time for, and he's eight points as you mentioned behind the standings. I believe the way that it works is so: first place, if you win, you'll get forty points. Second place is thirty points. Third is twenty-four points and then it kind of goes down a little bit incrementally from there. So, minimum worst-case scenario, T.G. has to finish 11th, and then that would get him a tie, assuming Cam Smith finishes outside the top 24, which normally you would say that's not the case, but he did finish outside the top 24 in the last live event, so that's something to at least note there. But uh, but on the contrary, if Cam Smith goes out and plays good, then it's going to make T.G.'s job even harder. He has to make up the eight-point difference. So, an example here would be, TG, if T.G. finished fifth, which gave 16 points, Cam Smith would have to finish a, a 12th or worse for T.G. to win outright. So sort of it's kind of out of T.G.'s hands at this point, Sam, because if Cam Smith goes out and plays exceptionally, there's just nothing he's going to be able to do about it. He'd still get a, a very large sum of money at the end of it, but but still, you would like to get that 18 in. Then you also have to look out for Bryson down there in third place. He's, I believe, what is that, 16 points behind, so Bryson would need to have a top-five week to have any chance of knocking T.G. out from second to third. So be on the watch out for that, Sam. But if T.G. goes out and plays good, he's going to assure himself a lot of money for sure.
0: No doubt. And one good thing going for Taylor Gooch is the fact that he's actually forty-one points ahead of Patrick Reed. So he knows he's at least gonna finish third on that season long points race. I think third gets five million and second gets ten. Winner gets eighteen. T dub, and so he knows he's at least going home with three mil or what was it, five, three, whatever third place gets, but you definitely would rather have eighteen instead of five T dub. So he is definitely going to have a lot on his plate trying to catch Cam Smith this week. Great point on Bryson. He's at 146, Taylor Gooch at 162, and Cam Smith at 170. As far as the team points race goes, this is the last event that the teams can jockey for seating for the team event at Trump Doral. The four aces are in the season-long points lead at 188 points. Crushers with Bryson and Charles Howell III, bond Lahiri, are at 178. So they are 10 points behind the four aces. Then you have Team Torquay at 171, only seven points behind Team Crusher. And then in fourth place, you have Team Stinger, who won in Tulsa. They're at 157 the top three are normally important with individuals on live and team play in the team standings. You've got to finish in the top four to get your bye in the first round of the team championship at Trump Doral. And right now, Stinger holds a two-point lead over the Range Goats. Uh, so that is going to be a massive battle between the Range Goats and Team Stinger. Team Fireball is in sixth down at 104 so it's really between the range goats and stinger this week t-dub and that is a big big difference in having a buy in the first round especially in the game of golf where you have no clue what can happen in, in match play especially
1: oh I have to get inside the top four the, the amount of times that you would advance to the finals having the buy is substantially different for sure so yeah that's extremely extremely important that'll be at, at I hope it's as exciting as it was last year. That was some pretty exhilarating stuff. Dustin Johnson and Cam Smith really battling it out down the stretch for the four aces. Uh, that was that was when TG was with the four aces last year. They ended up winning it all. So, but yeah, there, there's a, a lot of lot riding on that team competition, too. But as far as the individual, this is the last week for that. It can be a little bit confusing if you don't follow Liv throughout most of the year. But, yeah, there's it's a nice little cherry on top of what is the season, Sam, because back before – When the Ryder Cup ended, we just kind of sat around and luckily we had football to watch. But at least now, we got at least a little bit of golf up until Halloween. So that definitely shortens the offseason a little bit for sure.
0: T-Dub, who are you going with team and individual this week in Jetta?
1: Individual? I I hate to say this for our man TG, but I think Bryson's going to have a really good week. I think he's going to be motivated to show that he should have been picked on that Ryder Cup team and especially with how bad the Americans played. You go out and make a statement. You win the week before the Ryder Cup and then win the next event afterwards. would we'll definitely make a statement. So I think Bryson's going to play really well this week. I'd watch out for him. As we've talked about this entire segment, we're going to be rooting for our man TG, a lot of money riding on the line for him. And then we'll see how Kepka does. I think Kepka's going to come out a little flat just from Ryder Cup and everything going on there. But you never know. If he, if he turns it on, he could have a good week. And watch out for our man, Mito Pereira. He's down in, what is he, 7th? Uh, favorite analytically and an extremely good ball striker it designs really well so watch out for Mito this week he could kind of make a little sneaky charge at these guys
0: no doubt a couple names to look out for this week mark leishman he finished second in their last tournament at live chicago and peter uline finished fifth at the last tournament in chicago getting his game a little bit more in form like it was at the start of the year, he went into a little bit of slump in the middle of the year. Uh, but Peter Uline playing some really solid golf. Honor Bon Lahiri as well has finished second and third in his last two live events. But T-Dub, we have to pick. I have to pick Taylor Gooch this week. I picked him the first and second time that he won this year on live. And this is the win that he needs for that 18000000 million. We'll be rooting for TG. Uh, as far as the teams go, again, a big week for his team, the Range Goats, so I might as well just double up. No hedges this week. I'm going Range Goats and TG.
1: I love it, baby. I love it. I sure hope you're right. I still have my – I haven't worn it in a little bit because I I can't wear T-shirts to work, but I still got my Range Goat shirt hanging up. I might have to break it out this weekend when I'm watching the golf. Going to be a little bit hard to watch with it being over in Saudi, but we'll still still find a way for sure, and hopefully the Range Goats and TG will be able to break it out and be able to get – the range goes to be able to secure that top four going into Doral because that's going to be extremely important. I mentioned him as a guy that might be someone to look out for except for the extremely big names in Mito. I think his team's going to do well. Team Torquay, I think that they're going to go out. And they just had such a really good season. Whenever you look at if you would have said Joaquin is going to play as bad as he is this year and then Team Torquay is going to have as much success as they have, I would have said you're crazy. But that's how much the other guys have stepped up. And Joaquin's play. So Joaquin has a fairly decent week. I think Torquay could run away with this thing. But even if he's played as he has this year, I think they're still going to at least be in the top three and potentially make a run at winning the thing. T-Dub, we also have the
0: PGA Tour in
1: action at the Shriners
0: Children's Open in Las Vegas at TPC Summerlin. Your favorite this week. Ludwig Aberg, or as he likes to be called now, even though he introduced himself to us at the Big 12 Championships, is Ludwig Aberg. Ludwig O'Bear is your favorite at the Shriners Children's Open. We saw O'Bear in action after the Ryder Cup at the Sanderson Farms where he finished tied for second. Absolute ball-striking clinic. He actually lost shots on the greens for the week and still finished tied for second. That is the reason why he's your favorite this week. You also have Tom Kim, Siwoo Kim, who, by the way, him and Sungjae M both got out of their military duties for South Korea by winning the, what was it, World Team Championships that were going on during the Ryder Cup T-Dub. So big week a couple weeks ago for Siwoo Kim. Uh, you also have Cam Davis up there, JT Poston, Let's see, who else is up there? Adam Shank, Bo Hostler, Eric Cole. To me, the only elite player, elite ball striker that I see up there on this list is Lubvig a- O'Bear. I'm going to have so much trouble saying his name going into the future, T-Dub, but I'm going with O'Bear this week.
1: That's going to be something. I don't know how we're going to get over that. We called him a for two years now, ever since we saw him at Big 12 Championships whenever we were up at Prairie Dunes. And then all of a sudden now change his name, whatever whatever you want to be called, I'll try my best to call you. If I, if I apologize <laughs> and Lou you're out there listening, I am sorry, but I truly am. I'll try my best, but just bear with me. This is an extremely difficult thing that you put on our plate, but we'll do our best to overcome. I, I kind of like Tom Kim this week, Sam. He's had a pretty good track record at the Shriners, and he is the second favorite. Not a very deep field whatsoever. So, yeah, I think this is going to be a pretty top-heavy ordeal. Someone like Nikolai Horgard who played on the Ryder Cup, he's kind of down. He's pretty high on draft kings, but he's around the 10th or 11th guy analytically, so there's some other guys you may look over him, but I, I kind of like Nikolai this week. I think he'd want to come out and hopefully he's not celebrated too much since the Ryder Cup and can come out and play good. You wouldn't worry about the same for Ludwig O'Bear, but I think that he's just so talented that he'll be able to overcome that as well. So I'm going to go with the top two, Sam. I think Lubick and Tom Kim, I would take them versus the field, honestly. Another guy who is in this tournament, T-Dub,
0: that I know is a great ball striker and I know needs a good tournament because he's jockeying for position to get in those signature events at the start of 2024, that would be Austin Eckroat. Now, after we saw him, obviously, at the U.S. Open, finished in the top 10, had that record-breaking final nine there at the U.S. Open, he finished uh, top 25 at the Travelers, but... Ever since then, he did miss the cut at the Rocket Mortgage, then the 3M, then the Wyndham, and then he played in the Fortinet, and he finished, remember, he finished 74th on the points list, and he's trying to get up into the reshuffle. Uh, The guys that did not finish in the top 50, the top 50 to whatever, 100 or whatever, are jockeying for position to get in the top 70 for that uh, first signature event T-Dub, and so... He needs to play well in these fall series events, and he did miss the cut at the Fortinet, so he needs to have a good week this week. Look out for Austin Necro when his back is against the wall to get in those signature events.
1: Yeah, you really want to see that, that happen for him. That would be a tremendous amount. Of, we talk about TG having a lot of money on the line. Same for Austin in this sense. The amount of money you can make in a guaranteed no-cut elevated event substantial and instead of trying to play your way into them he would still even if he doesn't get in if he starts playing good towards the start of the year he will have a chance and as well so that and to
0: make this clear for those that are confused on this basically those players their points carry over the players that did not finish in that top 50 their points carry over so it's not everybody starting at zero who did not finish in that top 50, Austin Ekro still has a points lead on all the people that he had a points lead on before when he played the Fortinet. Uh, so now I'm not sure exactly where he is on that points list, but you know he's not going to fall way down the points list. He can really only gain points because he is so far ahead of a lot of other people behind him.
1: Correct. Even yeah, I though it's a different season.
0: It, this is all so confusing. Yeah, and then you're the
1: going to PJ <laughs> really needs
0: to <laughs> You're gonna get even more confused when we talk to Chris Goddard up about the corn fairy system
1: now. What PJ Chur needs to do is just have a PDF on the very front page of their website that says this is exactly the system and how it works now because it was complicated even before and now they've turned it totally upside down face on its head. It's truly unbelievable. So I'll try to explain this the best I can. So top 50 in the point standings, as you mentioned, they carry over. So even though the season's ended, we're now in the fall series, so the point system still carries. So the top 10 in this one, so that would be 51 through 60 in the FedEx fall. will they'll qualify for the first two signature events of next year. And then how it'll work from there is that the events in the schedule that aren't elevated, you'll have a chance. If you play good in those, you'll be able to move up the rankings and be able to get into those events. So I believe, what is it, 78 as I, what the field and the signature events are now. So, yeah, it's, it's completely confusing to tell Sam. It's hard enough for – we follow golf closer than about anyone, and it's hard for us to figure out what's going on. So the average casual fan has no clue. So if we could just figure out exactly where they need to be in the points, that's probably going to be the simplest way about it. Austin currently sits 79th. He preferably, he would like to get inside the top fifty. But if he can get up into the number anywhere inside the top 60, then at least get in the first couple when he'll be able to play his way and extend the amount of signature events he'll get into.
0: Thank you for simplifying that for me, T-Dub, because I was even confused on all of this. Um, Like you said, there needs to be some sort of PDF. Now, explain to me this. Do, Do these fall series tournaments matter on guys getting their PGA Tour card that were on the PGA Tour last year?
1: So this is the top 70. Essentially, the guys that were 71 through 125 technically aren't secured a card for next year, if I'm understanding this correctly. So they would have to make sure that they stay in the top 125 up until the fall series is over. Luckily, Austin, for someone in 79, I don't think there's a world to where he could fall outside the top 125. There's not enough guys who could earn enough points to bump him down. So don't have to worry about that in any sense for Austin. But yeah, it's... The fact that, they've, like I said, they've changed the system and makes it complicated for most people. At the end of the day, you still need to be in the top 125 to keep your tour card. It's just now, instead of it being what would have been after the Wyndham Championship last year, they've just extended it to where now, instead of the fall, because the last, what, 10 to 15 years or so, the fall series had, or the fall schedule had been included in what was next year's tour schedule. So you got FedEx points for that. So thinking of it instead now, for the top 125 guys, and they just kind of flipped it around. So now the fall is for the current season instead of what would be the upcoming season.
0: So the reason why I ask is because there's one specific uh, sponsor's exemption this week that doesn't have a chance to get their PGA Tour card, but she is taking a spot away from someone who could possibly win and earn a PGA Tour card. That would be Lexi Thompson. What are your thoughts on Lexi being able to play in the Shriners Hospital Open considering they have made these silly season events actually worth something now? It, it's not just some, you know, hit and giggle out here. These guys are fighting for PGA Tour cards and to get in the signature events out here. And you're letting Lexi Thompson play in the event? I have no problem with women's golf, but in my opinion, that's just stupid.
1: So I understand it from a tournament perspective or at least a sponsors perspective. It's you're gonna get more people come out and watch Lexi Thompson than you are the guy who's battling it out. Does that make it right? No. I, I think it's exactly what you said. There's a guy who could potentially play his way on and that's a shame. If for example, I don't know what the exact field size here, if they just added one more person, added it to be Lexi, I wouldn't have a problem with that. But I if but with the mathematics of it, you could have given that to someone else. And just for reference here, on, everyone knows Lexi Thompson is a great women's player. So Lexi is currently the second lowest analytically player in this field. The only other person who's lower than Lexi is someone by the name of Swin Swinvanson, who I have <laughs> never heard of, and I cover this okay. game pretty extensively. So to put that into My point is, on the PGA Tour, who is
0: she taking a spot away from?
1: That is a very good question. I'm sure we could look at the alternate list and figure out who it was who, if someone withdraws, would get in. But if, I, I'll put I'll put it this way: Lexi's currently, as I said, the second to last. analytically. I think that she'll beat more than one person in this field. I would. I'm not going to say I would be shocked. I would be halfway surprised if she finishes DFL in this tournament. But what are the odds of she are making the cut? Probably pretty low. You had Annika Colonial in 2003, but is the best women's player I've ever seen, hands down. And she didn't even sniff the cut. In that tournament, so and Colonial is, of course, to where you don't have to overpower it. You can just hit the fairways and, and play good. Of course, that you would think would set up for someone like that style of game who doesn't hit it as far. And then one thing you got to think about Lexi as well. She her chipping is absolutely horrible. I mean, we saw it in in the Solheim Cup. We've seen it really all year. Anytime the pressure gets on, that stroke gets yippy. It so look out. Even if she does get to where she has a chance to make the cutters right on the number and she misses the green, I'm not putting my money on her to get it up and down. So I think there is a lot going against Lexi. I think it would be a really cool story, and I think it would help grow the game if she does make the cut or actually if she somehow ends up contending for this tournament. It would be it would be a really cool thing to see. So I'm actually rooting for her. I hope she does play good. I just don't see it happening.
0: T-Dub, I normally agree with everything you say, but I got I to gotta disagree on this one thing. We've seen this before with Annika and Michelle Wee. You know, we, we've we seen this before where a woman plays in a men's event and it doesn't grow the game. It doesn't, even if they make the cut.
1: The problem with Michelle Wee was was that she she really fizzled off towards the end of her or really towards when she should have been in her prime. Her prime was when she was like 17 or 18 as opposed to when she was in her mid-20s is what you would usually think about it. But think of it in a situation like Michael Block at the PGA, right? He was – this off the wall guy, you had no chance, and you went up there and contended. And I think that that helped grow the game in a sense, not on a huge level by any chance, but on a, at least a, yeah. a halfway above microscopic level, it helped grow the game. So, Lexi, if she can come out and finish, what did Block finish? Fifteenth or sixteenth in the PGA Championship? Yeah, 15th, or no, he finished in the t- right. Yeah, fifteenth. That was right to secure his spot for next year. If Lexi can come out and finish fifteenth, or let's say she's in the somehow makes the cut, and on the weekend she makes a hole in one, that's dunk like Michael Block did. I think that would be... <laughs> You're okay. right. I, think that'd I, be, see, if, I see
0: your point there. I see your point. My point was kind of coming from the fact that women's golf is never going to be as popular as men's golf, no matter if you have Lexi Thompson's playing every week on the men's side. I don't know. It, this is fine, and I get why they're doing it. It draws eyeballs to it. People are going to look at the Shriners when they might not have anyways just to see how Lexi Thompson did. But I just have a problem with it when you know that some guy that could make the cut that had a below average year on the PGA tour is, is missing out and Lexi Thompson's taking a spot from him. I don't know.
1: Well, you know what's kind of crazy when you think about it, Lexi's 25th on the Rolex women's rankings. So there's an abundance of golfers who I would, women's golfers. I'd rather see, I'd much rather see Nellie Korda than Lexi Thompson. I'd rather see Rose Zank than Lexi Thompson. So no it's, at, at the end of the day, it's not the fact that it's necessarily a woman. It's the fact but that they don't have the if distance give, though.
0: I, I guess Lexi does have the distance to at least, you know, compete.
1: Yeah, but she has the chipping of a, a five-year-old. So you, yeah. you, we got to include that into the equation here. So now, I'm, like I said, I think it'd be cool if she played good, but you got to look at it from a realistic perspective. And if Annika and her prime and Michelle Wee, and, and, and if she grew up in Hawaii playing on a very flat course in Hawaii, can't make the cut. I don't see Lexi being able to do it here. T-Dub,
0: let's go to the Spanish Open where John Rahm is playing this week. You also have Ryder Cupper Justin Rose in the event. You got Eust Luton. You got Yannick Paul who just missed out on the Ryder Cup. You also have the former Kangaroo Antoine Rosner in this event. I find it really cool that John Rahm keeps going back year after year to the Spanish Open to support his home country.
1: And also, too, you look at the rest of the schedule in the DP World Tour. You have this week Spanish Open. You have a tournament next week in Spain, too. it would be interesting to see if Ron plays that one. I believe that's the Spanish Masters. So I, I would assume that he would probably play both of those. they also considering next week's tournament is $500,000 more so that's uh, fairly something to note. Then you have the Qatar Masters the week after that. I think that's the same week as the Liv Doral. I may be wrong on that, but I think that's right. Then you have the Ned Bank Championship down in South Africa, Gary Player's. Course, which is pretty cool. It's featured on a Tiger Woods game. Um, feels like a millennia ago. <laughs> and then after that, the, the middle of November, Sam, even later into the season, we have the DP World Tour Championships in Dubai with $10 million purse. So we got that to look forward to. It just seems like, I don't know, Sam, I feel like that we'd have an off season at some point. And this is kind of a mini off season, but golf never sleeps around here, does it?
0: Golf never, ever sleeps, T-Dub. And my last question here, we just kind of explained the PGA Tour schedule now. On the European or the DP World Tour schedule, do these count towards next year or this year? or How does it count?
1: I believe it's this year. So think of the DP World Tour Championship as the version of the Tour Championship at Eastlake for the PJ Tour. So instead of it being the, week, the weekend before Labor Day as in the PJ Tour, this is just the middle of November. So no, the season will start after the DP World Tour. Actually, if you look back on when this season started, the 2023 season, its first tournament was... Uh, the second week in November down at the Australian PGA Championship, and then they had a tournament in South Africa as well. They actually have a tournament uh, the last two weeks of November, and then every week in December, with the exception of Christmas, they have a a tournament there. So, yeah, the, the DP World Tour, they'll start over right after the DP World Tour Championship, but at least these last few events will technically be for the 2023 season.
0: Well, T-Dub, that wraps it up for golf, but I know you're a big OU football fan, and they beat Texas over this past weekend. What were your thoughts on that? And then after the break, you guys, our listeners, will be able to hear Chris Goddard up, former Sooners' thoughts on OU beating Texas. I was at the game. It was absolutely electric, T-Dub.
1: Oh, it, yeah, we got to talk about this for a second. It was, from start to finish, one of the best football games I've ever watched, and I'm I was at the point to where there was 10 minutes left in the game. I thought OU was going to lose, and I was still going to say that. It was one of the best games I'd ever seen. You had the interception on in the first play. You had a, a fake punt in there. You had an interception on the goal line. Then you had a block punt, and you look up, and there's 10 minutes left in the first quarter. You're like, what more could happen here? And then all of a sudden, more happened. It was crazy. It was, from an OU fan's perspective, whenever we went stagnant, the offense went stagnant in the middle to end of the third quarter and a little bit into the fourth quarter. I was like, okay, this is the same stuff we saw last year where they they, they play calling it to the place and Gabriel misses a couple throws here or there and you have a couple wide receiver drops in there as well and you're like, okay, same old stuff. Texas is going to make a comeback. And after they made that field goal, Texas did with a minute left. I'm like, okay, well, here it is. And then Gabriel puts on his Tom Brady jersey, Sam, and just leads us down in five plays. <laughs> it was a beautiful thing to see Nick Anderson just wide open in the back of the end zone. And had Gabriel been a six four quarterback, he wouldn't have had to – Leap, jump like he did over the the defenders to get the ball there. What a great play that was from him and cannot be understated. But Sam, to me, the play of the game, in my opinion, was that what was it? Third down or uh, yeah, it was the third down where the ball went over Gabriel's head, almost back by the goal line. Mm-hmm. He picked it up and was able to throw it out of bounds. Had he gotten tackled back there, it would have, in my opinion, completely changed the game. And it gave them some space to make things happen. So yeah, I it think was that is a very. It was just unbelievable.
0: It really was. I I mean, that was one of those just you had to be there games just to feel the electricity. The OU Texas game where half the stadium is burnt orange and half the stadium is crimson. And it was loud on one side during half the plays and loud on one side during the other half of the plays. It was just absolutely electric now these two teams are probably going to have to play again in the big 12 championship so both teams have their work cut out for them but T-Dub that was one of the greatest football games I've ever seen and I know the ending made you very happy
1: I screamed so loud on that last touchdown it was pretty insane but one thing I want to mention real quick Sam how funny is it going to be when the last year OU and Texas are in this conference they're playing in the championship game that is going to be I never root for Texas and yeah, I, is still Brett I still don't going to go. <laughs> <laughs> probably so. Yeah, he's going to have a front row seat. He's going to have sideline passes. Yeah, that's but to me it, it shows the state of where the Big 12 is, is going to be going forward. It's not going to be extremely top heavy once these conferences leave. So so a lot of we have a lot of OSU fans out there so I think it's even though they're having a horrible horrible season, it they did have a big win last week, but it'll be a time for them to make a mark in the Big 12. But, yeah, Sam, I never root for Texas, and I hope they lose every game the rest of the season. But if there was one year where I'd be at least halfway okay with Texas playing good, it would be this one because it would be such a slap in the face to the Big 12 uh, for them to be there. It would be uh, a truly beautiful thing. to See, even though if they did match up again, I'd be a little bit worried. you won the turnover battle pretty substantially, and they still only won by four points. So that's something to watch out for. But both teams are exceptionally good, and before the season, I wouldn't have said this, and I would have thought you were crazy for saying this, but both teams, both of them look like top five teams, and so that's kind of back to whenever I started watching football around 2003, 2004 year, OU and Texas were both dominant and made that game so much better. So even though I hate Texas, I love seeing them be complete shit over the last decade. It is good for football, and it's, it's good to be able to watch the games when they're at least halfway decent.
0: No doubt. That's what I was saying on the radio the day after TW. Texas is back, and OU just beat them, meaning OU is back after last year as well. TW did mention OSU, which reminded me we need to give a special shout out also to Kevin Doherty. We're obviously having Chris Goddard up on this show to celebrate him getting his PGA Tour card. Kevin Doherty also finished in the top 30 on the corn ferry as well the 32 year old will be a pga tour rookie in 2024 big time stuff for him getting a pga tour card after he's been battling it out in professional golf since 2017
1: oh yeah that's 100 percent true yeah it's uh i've never gotten the opportunity to meet ken i know a lot of people who have say he's a, a tremendous guy so it's been great to see him go out and finally get that that pga tour card because at any time that we can just grow the local presence around here, guys who played college golf in this state or, or grew up in this state as well, being able to go out and play, make it to the highest level, it, it's really good. And it just shows that college golf in Oklahoma, it doesn't get better than any other state. And I don't even think it's really close. No doubt about
0: it. All right, let me not let you guys wait any longer. Chris Gotterup, former Sooner and PGA Tour member, coming up after the break on the 73rd hole, the official podcast of Golf Oklahoma.
1: Hey, everyone, T-Dub here. want to take a second to tell you about my good friends
0: we are back on the other side of the break on the 73rd hole podcast, the official podcast of Golf Oklahoma. And like I said before the break, you can go to GolfOklahoma.org and see a story on this guy, a former Sooner who just got his PGA Tour card. You remember him from the University of Oklahoma. That's Chris Goddard Chris, thank you for coming on the show today. This has been an awesome week for you. We're happy to have you on. Yeah, it's been uh, it's been a crazy week, um, and yeah, I appreciate you guys having me. You just finished tied for twentieth in Corn Ferry in the Corn Ferry Tour Championship. You had a great year on the Corn Ferry. We'll get back to that in a second, but we got a lot of Sooner fans that listen to this podcast. So kind of take the Sooner fans um, through your journey since that national championship, the last time they saw you with the Sooners until now. And and tell us about the journey it has been since you were playing in college to the point now that you got your PGA tour card.
2: Yeah. I mean, (laughs) I don't know how long you guys got, but it just could be a while. Uh, I mean, It's really just been pretty crazy, to say the least. I mean, it feels like I left school, you know, a couple of weeks ago. Um, But, I mean, man, I played so much golf. I've been all over the country, world. And, um, yeah, it's pretty crazy, honestly. But, uh, yeah, I mean, for it all to kind of come back full circle, I mean, I left school with, you know, pretty much no status. And and now I'm on, you know, PGA Tour next year. It's, It's pretty surreal, to be honest.
1: Chris, one thing I'm noticing is that you had a tremendous end to your season. <clears throat> I believe six out of your last eight tournaments, you finished in- inside the top the top 21. So just kind of take us through these last, really going all the way back to about June or July, where I really started to click with you, because the analytics back up that you really finished your season with a bang.
2: No, I don't. I don't know. I think maybe I just got more comfortable, um, more comfortable playing on the Quinpare Tour. I mean. it's... It's different kind of golf than what I'm used to from college and the PGA. Um, you know, you got to shoot freaking 25 under every week to have a chance to win, and or even I mean, 15, 16 under gets you a chance at you know top 10. Um, it's it's hard, and uh, you know I think it took me months to figure that kind of style out, um, and not that I completely figured it out, but I definitely figured it out a little bit more than uh, I did at the beginning of the year.
1: Now, Chris, this is going to be your first full year on the PGA Tour here coming up, but you did get roughly eight PGA Tour starts last year right after uh, D1 National. So just kind of take us back to then, th- those handful of tournaments you got to play in. What was the things that you learned there? And kind of take us through the difference between those tournaments and then what you experienced on the Corn Fair Tour.
2: Yeah, I mean, between, you know, all those events, I really felt like I almost played a full season, even though it wasn't it – wasn't, um, Yeah, I think, I think for me, getting thrown kind of right into the fire was a good thing. Um, I really, you know, the first event, I was pretty nervous. I'm not going to lie, but after that, I settled in pretty quick. And, um, yeah, I think, I think, uh, you know, I I didn't have too much pressure because I wasn't a member. I wasn't really playing for anything other than experience. Um, so that was, I think that was a huge benefit for me. And, uh, and then yeah, I think, um, you know, your point about the difference between PGA and Corn Fairy is you know like I said I didn't really have um, you know status anywhere but this year I had status on Corn and you know that's, this is I mean it's, it's hard I mean all these guys are really good and um, you know it took a lot of uh, a lot of you know mental toughness and um, there's a lot of times where you're just sitting there you're like man I don't know like I don't know if I've got it or there's just a lot of ups and downs throughout a whole year, so I'm happy I got a full year under my belt and you know experiencing that part. But I'm sure at some point next year I'll have to deal with that too. Um, it's it's just all all a big learning experience for me, and I'm happy to uh, happy to keep plugging along. Chris, we saw that awesome moment with your dad
0: after you finished out on eighteen. Got to embrace your dad, knowing that you will be on the PGA Tour next year. What was going through your mind, and what were you guys saying to each other in that moment?
2: Um, I mean, you know, I don't, I don't really know what was going through my mind. Uh, I know that, like, I mean, the whole, I knew the whole day was going to be really stressful just because I was, I was in a good spot, but like, you know, obviously, crazy stuff can happen. And, uh, um, yeah, I mean, I, I was, I was playing great all day and then I made that stupid double on 17 and, you know, I was like, all right, I'm probably in a good spot. I can make a part here, but you know, 18, there is no easy task. Um, so yeah, I was just, I was nervous. Um, and then I made, a, you know, a great birdie, obviously. And, uh, I didn't really know where I stood and couldn't see anything and didn't know. And then when I walked off and saw, you know, my, my team that was there, and, um, yeah, I kind of just. I don't, I don't really know what happened. I just kind of lost
1: it. Now, Chris, one thing that we try to do on this show, we try to be Nostradamus. We try to be good prognosticators and predict the future, even though we don't have a, a clue in hell as to what's going to happen. But besides yourself, give us one or two names along with the top 30 that got their PGA tour cards that we should watch out for who can maybe make a move this, uh, this upcoming season.
2: Um, I mean, you know, there's, there's so many good guys that people probably don't know about. Um, I think uh there's a guy who hits the ball as far, as far as I've ever seen someone hit a ball, Jake Knapp. Um and he he's a baller, he played great. Um and I think uh you know, I played with Chan Kim a lot who won twice towards the end of the year. He's I mean he's a proven winner and um I, yeah, he's a great player too. So I mean I could I could tell you all thirty of the guys and um that you know someone's gonna have a good breakout year
0: no doubt about it. Uh, a bunch of good talent out there. A, lo- a lot of good local talent out there. Obviously, some former Sooners like Logan McAllister and Quade Cummins were on the Corn Ferry with you this year. Um, Austin Ekro played a little Corn Ferry before he got his PGA Tour card last year. A bunch of names uh, from around here that have been successful on the Corn Ferry. Bob Gellerman in the past. Josh Creel as well. Uh, Ryan Gibson, another one. I- I'm going on and on down this list. And Chris, just tell us about you know, the experience you had playing on the Corn Ferry tour and what it was like not only playing with guys that you already knew, but making new friends as well.
2: Yeah, I mean it's it's cool. You get to meet so many different people, um, you know, that you'd probably never in your life think that you would come across uh because you know, they're from who know, they're from across the country and different world and um yeah I mean I mean to be honest a lot of my friends Or I mean, obviously you know you have Quaid and Logan and all those guys. But I hung out with some of the international guys, uh, some of the Mexican guys. I I played with them, and and my coaches worked with them, and and they're they're awesome. Camillo and you know uh, Bobby Diaz and all those guys. I I have a great time hanging out with all those guys. So I think that's what makes golf cool. You get you know everyone's different, and uh, you can kind of learn things just by watching other people play. So, Chris, I mean, take us through, you know, living in
0: Oklahoma now, obviously playing out at Oak Tree. Um, why did you decide to, you know,
2: live here instead of the Northeast? Um, you know, I really don't know how I got sucked into living here, to be honest. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, uh, I, not, I, I love it. I mean, you know, uh, between all the guys that live here and, you know, I live right on the course and, um, yeah, it's it's pretty it's just a pretty awesome spot. There's not a whole lot of there's not a whole lot going on. I can't get myself into too much trouble and uh you know, we have a great crew and you know, I'm sure if I rolled over to the range right now I could go find someone to go play with and uh, have a good time. So um I think that's that's the main reason why I chose to just kinda of stay here and obviously the course is great and you know, there's a lot of good stuff that comes with it.
1: In regards to this upcoming season and when you're trying to figure out what goals you want to have for the year what are some things that you're looking at do you just have the mindset of you want to go out and try to win every tournament or if we went a year into the future what would you look back on and say you know what this was a very successful first year for the PGA Tour
2: um, I mean I think the easy I, I'm not really a huge like goal guy um, I kind of really drive safety every week as its own. Um, I mean I think the easy answer and simple answer is to um, just you know maintain my card for a year and that, that's the bare minimum um you know, I know I can play well, and I played well at some of the courses that we will be going to. So, um, yeah, I mean, I think I, I, I think I know that if I play well, I can, I can have a chance to win, if not win. Um, but you know, that's gonna require playing well. So, um, yeah, I think the simple answer is just to keep keep good momentum and uh, you know be ready to go for another year. For the people that don't necessarily understand the new system, it's
0: confusing even for a guy like me that, you know, covers it every week. The new system kind of explain it to people in a little bit simpler terms. So basically from I mean, to
2: be honest, I don't know the full understanding of it either, but from what my understanding is, is that um so the top seventy made the playoffs and the playoffs ended, I don't know, two months ago, maybe a month ago. But um the guys who finished 71 to 125 um they still have another chance to keep their tour card and then the guys that finished 126 to 200 i think also get the fight to, for a chance to sneak in the 125 so really 71 through 200 play or remaining like i think eight events or something like that in the fall which is you know like big this week and Um, stuff like that, and they can so they're fighting for a position to be in their 125 by the end of the season, which I think is RSM.
1: Yeah, it's literally trying to figure out how far the exact miles we are from the sun trying to figure out this next PGA Tour season. It's absolutely crazy, the new system. But, Chris, take us back to – we kind of hit on this earlier, but this is the last question I have. I want to close with you on this. You talk about when you played on the PGA Tour, the courses that you played. How did the course setup vary? And the times that you play on the pga tour versus the corn Ferry tour were they very similar with the pga tour of course harder was rough longer just kind of take us through the differences in those two yeah,
2: yeah there's there's a pretty big difference i mean granted there's probably five or six Corn Fairy courses that could host pga tour events in, you know next week um but the other 20 are you know kind of your local country clubs um to be honest there may be a decent one at that but um yeah, I mean, they're just not – they're not all that difficult, especially if the weather's, you know, um, you know cooperating. But, you know, PGA, you got to go, you know – the main the main difference is, you know, PGA, if you go shoot, you know, a two-under or a one-under, if you're playing good still, you're still kind of in the mix. If you go shoot a one-under – at uh, a corporate event, I mean, you better follow it up with an 8 or a 9 or else you're just going to get left. Um, and I think that's the biggest difference. And, and just how was, you know, had much more difficult the courses are and, and stuff like that.
0: Well, Chris, I think I speak for every Oklahoman when we say we're so proud of you, we enjoy watching you, and we can't wait to watch you on the PGA Tour next year. That does it for the golf, but you're not done yet with me because we got to talk about some OU football. How about them beating Texas last week? What were your thoughts on that game? Yeah, I got the catch the last
2: five minutes or so on the range um, after my round on uh, Saturday. Pretty, pretty insane. I mean, we went to that game two years ago, and uh that was when Caleb came back at halftime and um yeah I mean just the craziest craziest game ever and uh, it looks like it lived up to the hype again this year. No
0: doubt about it. Where do you think they finish? Do, you, do they make the playoffs? Do they win the big twelve? What where do you think
2: OU finishes? I mean I I think it's gonna come back down to, you know, OU Texas again and uh and baseball championship and uh, I mean I'd like to think that um you know, we win that one and then win the playoffs. But uh, really, I mean, I think it could be another, you know, nail-biter game. And obviously, you got to take care of business with, the, you know, a couple of good teams coming up. You got Kansas. And I'm still going to game is kind of scary at Oklahoma State. But, um, you yeah, know, I mean, it's in their hands now. That which is good. I mean, they're in control. So, you know, you still take care of business. You're in a good spot. No doubt. That is new
0: PGA Tour member Chris Gotterup. Chris, thank you again for joining the 73rd hole today. You got it. Thank you, guys.